everyone, and welcome back to another episode of CFAL Talks. I am Pamela Ferguson, Vice President of Investments here at CFAL, and today I will be sharing on the topic, the path to financial enrichment. About a week or so ago, I was asked to present to one of our clients at a pension seminar sponsored by CFAL on the topic, the path to financial enrichment. And I decided to share this presentation with you, our podcast listeners. You know, the past two years have been very difficult and challenging for many Bahamians. We were hit by Hurricane Dorian during September of 2019, which had a devastating impact on the lives and livelihood of many Bahamians which was followed by the COVID-19 virus and eventually the pandemic. Things just seemed to have gone downhill from there. Economic activities came to a screeching halt, businesses closed, and many persons were furloughed or had to depend on the government for assistance. And we learned that in some cases, persons were only receiving $100 per week. And, you know, even those who continued to receive their full salaries were strained because they had family members who lost their jobs or were furloughed due to the pandemic. I met an acquaintance last year, and we were talking about the pandemic and how things were going and, and its effect on our lives. And they said that they continued to work, both she and her husband, and they received their full salaries. But their son, who had recently got married, and daughter-in-law were furloughed. And so the family had to step in and take care of them. And so that really put a strain on the family resources. So all in all, it was really a challenging two and a half years. But in the midst of all that has occurred over the past couple of years, I will in this podcast give you some tips on achieving financial enrichment and some tools that would help you navigate this journey to financial enrichment. So what is financial enrichment? Well, financial enrichment is the process of improving or increasing one's financial resources. For many people, improving their financial position is very difficult. But you know what I discovered? What most people do not get or have a challenge grasping is that we already have the power to achieve financial enrichment. The path to financial enrichment does not begin with a bank account or even at a financial advisor's office like CFAL, but it starts with our thinking, our beliefs. Remember the proverb? As a man thinketh, so is he. Our financial attitudes and belief tend to start early in life and are passed from one generation to the next. I'm reminded of a conversation I had with my late father many, many, many years ago. I think I was probably in COB. And I said to my dad, his name was Otniel Musgrove, I said to him, Daddy, I think I want to build some apartments. That would have been one of my first investments. And you know, he discouraged me against that. He said, he don't think I should do it because I was a woman and I should leave the apartment to the man because if I go and build these apartments and the man just lay off, that would not be a good deal or didn't make any sense. 
I didn't tell my father how I felt at that moment, but I, I really didn't agree <laughs> with, those, with those thoughts. It is very important that we understand and acknowledge our financial beliefs and begin the process of transforming our thinking if necessary, because we can have positive or negative financial belief before we achieve financial enrichment. So what are some of these beliefs that are prevalent in our society today? The first is the money avoider. These are people who learn to feel that they do not deserve money and that it is the root to all kinds of evil. The money avoider tends to have difficulty setting financial goals and struggle sticking to personal spending plans or budget. I think I would fit into the money avoider early on in my life. And I probably put, even put my father in that category based on that conversation uh, that we had. Then we have the money worshippers. These persons believe that things will get better in life if they just had more money. The money worshippers are compulsive spenders and they tend to give money to others that they can least afford to part with. Next, we have the money status. These persons tend to define their self-worth by their financial net worth. They tend to place a great deal of emphasis on buying the hottest new item and leading brand names and quality. Money is a sign of success for those with strong money status belief. And then lastly, we have the discipline saver. These are persons who religiously set aside something from every paycheck for the future. They believe that living below their means is the surest way to achieve financial freedom and success. Tell me, which one of these beliefs do you identify with? Now, before you become alarmed or concerned, it is important to note that even though money beliefs tend to pass from generation to generation, they are not permanent. They are not fixed in stone. It is important, though, that you identify your pattern of belief about money and examine how changing the negative beliefs and doubling down on the positive beliefs can fundamentally improve your financial situation and set you on the path to financial enrichment. Now, transforming our thinking about money or our financial belief system will not necessarily make us financially enriched, at least not by itself. The next step to becoming financially enriched is to get a handle on our finances. Where are you financially speaking at this very moment? See, many people believe that their financial success is based on how much money they earn, but that is not necessarily the case. Let me give you an example. Let's say I earn $2,000 per month and my neighbor earns $20,000 per month. If I ask which of us is considered the more financially successful, just on the face of it, many would probably say my neighbor who earns $20,000 a month. But you know, there's a proverb that says, the wise have wealth, but unwise men spend whatever they make. See, if you are spending every dime that you make, you are officially living paycheck to paycheck. And if you continue on this path, you'll eventually come to financial ruin. So if my neighbor, who is making $20,000 per month, is spending all he makes, a strong money status belief person, and if I'm a disciplined saver with only $2,000 per month, I may very well 
be the more financially successful one. In order to correct this living paycheck to paycheck behavior, we need a budget, which is really an estimate of your income and expenditure for a set period of time, usually one year. I want you to do something for me after this presentation. Get a piece of paper and make two columns. On one column, put income, and on the other, expenses or expenditure. Now on this budget, tally up your income and expenses. And if your income column is less than your spending column, it means that you are using debt to make up for the excess spending. That's credit card debt, consumer borrowing, or even borrowing money from family and friends. Now, I know debt is a controversial topic, but allow me to stress here. If you are borrowing for personal expenses, such as a vacation, a new refrigerator, or maybe even furniture, it is unwise. In order to become financially enriched, we need to cut back on our spending so that we will have monies left over to help pay down debt and eventually save. When I graduated from university, I think around about 1996, I got a job about two months after I returned home. I actually didn't stay for graduation because my parents really couldn't afford to travel, and I was just anxious to get back home and to get a job. So I went from making $0 per month, and depending on my parents for my living expenses, to making about 375 to 400 and $25 per week. And for the first few months, I felt I had a handle on my finances. But 10 months later, after I started working, I decided to purchase a car, a brand new car. And it cost about $21,000. My monthly payment was about $300 per month. And let me tell you, after this loan, it felt like things just went downhill for me. I was running out of cash, and my spending column of the budget continued to increase while my income column remained static. So I started to draw down cash from my credit card. And many of you know that is a very expensive proposition, and I think at a point of desperation. I mean, things just went downhill fast, fast. You know, my epiphany came when I discovered that I had owed over $1,000 on my tithes. Tithing is, has been and continues to be very important to me. I was making my car payment because the payments were deducted automatically from my salary, but I ran out of cash because of my excess spending. See, what I should have probably done was if I had a budget, worked out what my expending was and my income was and pulled back on some of those spendings in order to take on the car payment. But I didn't do that. The car payment was just piled on to my additional expenditures. But I made up my mind at that moment when I realized where I was in terms of not being able to give my 10% to the work of God. And I decided from that point on that I wanted to end this living paycheck to paycheck saga and stop the drawing down of cash from my credit card, which is at a very expensive rate. I had to cut out the impulse and reckless spending and start living within my means. I wasn't saving much of any 
anything at all. But then again, remember, I was drawing down from my credit card and missing tag payments. So I had to get back. I had to get my finances back in order. And that, at that time, was my number one priority. See, when we lose control of our spending, or if our spending is continually excessive, guess what? All else being equal, our debt level, which is defined as something that we owe to someone or spending more than we take in, will definitely increase. Now, I don't outright discourage debt, but I do caution careful consideration and thought prior to taking on debt. Only take on debt that you can afford and manage. And by afford, I mean you have sufficient cash flow and assets to service that debt. See, the thing that gets many of us in a pickle is excessive debt. And this should be avoided at all costs in good times and in bad times. I want you to remember that debt accumulation is not a means of accumulating wealth. So just because you were able to get approved by a bank to borrow funds for a car or an expensive vacation, that does not equate to being wealthy. And I know some of you may be thinking, if I could just get a raise. Now, don't get me wrong. It's good to see progress on a job accompanied by salary increases and bonuses. But if you are currently having financial challenges, just know that your income is not the problem. Like I discovered some years ago, it is our spending that we must manage. If you can make a commitment to live within your means, meaning don't spend more than you make, you'll eventually have access to store up and to save up. If, on the other hand, you want to maintain the increased spending, then you will have to increase your income column. Maybe a side hustle, maybe some overtime, maybe improving on your educational qualifications in order to improve your chances of getting a salary increase. You would have to engage in these additional activities in order to afford the excess level of spending. It is by living within our means that we can get a handle on our finances and achieve financial enrichment. To accumulate wealth, we need to save. And guess what? There's absolutely no way around it. Savings is essential. I love the proverbs that state, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whosoever gathers little by little will increase it. That's savings. This brings us to our third step to financial enrichment. Develop your savings strategy. Little by little, wealth increases. $25 a month, $50 a month, $100 per month. By saving little by little over time, your wealth will increase and make savings effective. However, I recommend that you automate it. You do not want to have to think about it. Take yourself just completely out of the equation. You cannot miss or spend what you never had. There are two ways I recommend that you make savings automatic. If you are currently in a company-sponsored pension plan, I recommend that you either start or increase your voluntary pension contribution. 
CFAL offers that option to its pension clients. And also, I recommend that you approve an automatic withdrawal from your salary to go directly to your investment account. Whatever your savings needs, I want to stress this point. Make savings automatic. Again, like I said before, you cannot miss or spend what was never there. I get the savings versus debt pay down question all the time. Should I save first or pay down debt first? So for those who have no savings but debt and want to start saving, I recommend that you balance paying down high interest debt, and by high I mean 5 to 6% interest rate on your loan, with saving for your emergency fund. Now, there are there's a theory out there that it should be three to six months of living expenses. But I say, if you don't have anything, let's start small first. So start with $1,000 saved up or the equivalent of one month living expenses. And once you get there, you can build on to the three to six months eventually. See, paying down high interest debt offers a bigger return on your money than almost anything else you can do. And having a cushion of savings is crucial for all of the events you cannot predict. When I started work back in my in the mid-1990s, um, I entered the company-sponsored pension plan here at CFAL. Now, I don't remember them calling us aside and asking us if we wanted to go uh, in the pension plan. It was automatic, and I, I actually didn't even know that they were deducting this money from my salary and transferring it to the pension plan. So remember I told you about the apartments that I told my dad about and he advised me uh, not to do that. Well, in October 19, 1999, my father passed. And so in January of 2000, I told my mom that I wanted to start this project with the apartments and she supported me. And so I got the plans and all of that drawn up. And then it came to starting this project. Now, this was in 2000. I just started working in 1996. I didn't have much of a savings. And you, if you remember my story earlier about spending excessively, I didn't have a lot of savings. But I remember that a few months prior, the company had said they were normalizing the pension and giving us statements and, and so we could know where we were at. And so I decided that, that I would go to the principals and ask them for some of this money to start this project. And so when I went to them, they were, I mean, 100% willing because they said this is like a retirement asset. And I needed 10000 for the foundation and another ten to block up at least at the first level. And so they awarded me the $20,000 from my pension that they were deducting uh, from my salary. And I was able to begin the process of creating wealth by starting these apartment or starting this apartment building. The two points that I want to drive home with this personal story are one, because my savings were automatic, I was able to begin the process of creating wealth. I didn't remember it was there, and they just deducted it out. 
And so it helped me to become a bit more disciplined because I didn't have that level of savings in the bank. And two, due to the consistency of saving, remember, little by little, wealth increases. Wealth was a, was, I was able to accumulate wealth in my retirement account, which allowed me to take advantage of this investment opportunity. Now, the savings account may be good for your short-term goals because of the low risk and low volatility and also the low interest rate. This is money that you would need in one to three years. But if you really want to increase your resources and generate wealth, we need an SS to turn up the investment engine. This brings me to my fourth point on the path to financial enrichment. It's time now to turn up your investment engine. We know the situation with the banks. They're paying little or nothing. So if you need your funds for like one to three years, yeah, save it in the bank account. Just so long as you're not getting negative interest and we don't, we're not there yet in the Bahamas. But if you want to create wealth and build wealth, the bank is not the place. You need an investment account. To get more out of your savings, we must take advantage of the power of compound interest. It is reported that Albert Einstein said, Compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it, earns it. That's investing. And he who doesn't, pays it. That's debt. In order to achieve your medium to long-term investment goals, which are usually accompanied by higher returns, you will need an investment vehicle more powerful than your savings account at the bank. If your investment arises in, say, let's say, three to five years, you have more time to withstand market volatility and take on a bit more risk. Now, if you're new to investment, chances are you would still stick with the more conservative investments like the investment grade bonds or the blue chip equity stock. However, your risk profile may increase due to the longer time horizon. So in essence, the longer the time horizon, the longer the risk and the longer the return that you can make on your investment. For savings you won't need in five or more years, I recommend investments in mutual funds or stocks to help spread the risk and grow your money depending on your risk tolerance. Now, if you have a retirement account or if you are currently invested in stocks or bonds or mutual funds, you are officially considered an investor. Congratulations. So I'm going to leave with you three tips to using the investment engine to generate wealth. One, know your investment risk tolerance. Your risk tolerance is basically how do you feel about losing money? Generally, like I mentioned earlier, the higher the potential return on investment, the higher the potential loss on your investments. So if someone is in this time, in this market, promising you 10% or 12%, just know that the risk associated with achieving that 10 or 12% is high. And while there is a probability that you will retain your investment principle and earn the 10 or 12% over the life of the investment, there's also a great chance that you may lose all of it. 
So be careful of that. The next tip is diversification is essential to generating wealth. And diversification is really the mix of investments from various asset classes to help manage risk. Let's say you like a stock like Commonwealth Bank. You love Commonwealth Bank. You love that stock. That stock, you bought that stock when it first came out, and that stock has been really good to you. It's paid consistent dividends, and it's increased in value. However, if you take all of your investment money and put into Commonwealth Bank stock, the risk may be too great. So what if, let's say, Commonwealth Bank stock has a bad spell and it declines? That means your entire investment account will decline. But if you want to manage that risk or mitigate the risk of losing money, you would invest in other stocks. You would diversify your portfolio, get some Commonwealth Bank, um, get some Focal, uh, get some J.S. Johnson, get some Kalina. You would diversify your investment so that if you were to lose on Commonwealth Bank and then you gain on the others, overall, you will end up in the positive. And our third point is to keep a watchful eye over your investments. Now, you know I like the proverbs, and there's one that goes, know well the condition of your assets and give attention to your investments, for riches do not last forever. It is important that you review your investment and understand the characteristics of your investment and the potential for loss on your investment. Yes, you can speak to a financial advisor like us at CFAL, but like the proverb says, you have a duty to know the state of your investments. Listeners, we are called to be good stewards of that which was entrusted to us. In order to live this financially enriched life, Let's protect ourselves from the unnecessary stresses and frustration, anxiety, and in some cases even depression that can result from living above our means. And let us commit to a life of contentment and self-control. Let's refuse the indulgence of spending more than we can afford on things that we really don't need and in some cases don't even want. As I close... We can all have access to this financially enriched life. Let's remember that it starts with our thinking. Let's begin today to transform our thinking about money and wealth. The good book says, I would that you would prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. Then let's get a handle on our finances. If there's one thing that I want you to take away from this presentation... It's to make a commitment to live within your means. Practice not spending more than you take in. Build up your savings by setting aside a little something consistently in a very low-risk cash and cash-equivalent investments. Then to create wealth, look at the viability of investment options to take advantage of compound interest, the engine for wealth creation. And finally... Review your investments consistently to ensure that they are in line with your investment objectives and risk profile. Well, listeners, we are flat out of time and have come to the end of another episode of CFAL Talks. Thank you so much for tuning in. 
If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please send us a note at info at cfile.com or visit our website at www.cfile.com and show your support. Thank you, Cfile, for sponsoring this episode. Until next time.